0: Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlonthegov.com or visiting this episode's description.
1: Welcome to Girl in the Gov, the podcast, breaking down politics as we know it and removing all the bullshit. <laughs> because politics
0: needed a rebrand. <laughs> Are just getting organized here. You know, this mesk that is a desk and also a makeup vanity, which I am wearing none of currently. So it's really just there on the sidelines for, you know, another moment in time, which is just clearly not this evening, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I am currently like translucent and it's really coming out to play today because it, this might bother you. So trigger warning for you because it's very springy here today. Oh, it's God. like 76 and sunny oh. and I wore shorts today and my legs, like I cannot wait to just like pour my tan lux drops all over my body oh. because I it's so bad. And like now the sun's out and I would like to expose skin, but it's too much. It's see-through skin at this point,
0: you know? Oh my God. I mean, my sincere, my, my thoughts, my prayers, hopes, dreams, and wishes are with you at this tragic moment in time. I really, I, I do, you know, feel that pain. I also feel, you know, the freaking tan drop pain because now I'm like nervous to use those after turning myself into Trump Jr. I think you just, yeah,
1: you got to You got to ease off the the drops. Maybe just like two. Two drops. How many did you put in there again? Four. (laughs) I overdo it sometimes too, but I I love them. Like, I just think you need to give them another shot.
0: I mean, it literally snowed today. Did it? It I was going to ask you
1: because I just like, again, I didn't want to rub anything in your face, but like.
0: I mean, at least one of us is enjoying life. It was
1: such a nice day today and yesterday, but weather channel moment. Is it normal for it to be this warm and sunny? Yes and no. We'll see. But you know, we'll keep you posted on that in our weather channel segment, which, you know, while we're on the topic, maybe we should just transition right into our Texas update because we talked about it last week in our weather channel segment about Texas freezing over. And this was kind of like the first... Like day or two of of the big news and how, how crazy it got there, so you know we didn't get to talk about the Ted Cruz of it all, you know, and I think it would just be a disservice for us to not talk about it.
0: Yeah, we didn't cruise into that.
1: <laughs> it's actually crazy this Texas situation. My my roommate texted me yesterday and was like, "Since when is gas four dollars a gallon?" And it's literally like skyrocketed gas prices if anyone's been wondering why it's so expensive right now it's because of texas whoa but i just wanted to introduce a little good news segment just a few quick fun headlines first it started with me just wanting to talk about the fact that your home state legalized marijuana
0: welcome to the
1: club it's a good club it's a fun club and i'm really happy for you
0: honestly i'm happy for my parents because like of the fam they're the weed smokers yeah So go then.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's life changing. But no, congratulations. The Garden State. The Garden State has, you know, legalized green. Ironic. Should have happened sooner, given the name. But here we are. But to wrap it, you know, around obviously legalizing marijuana is a political situation, right? That's why we're highlighting it. But along with these other headlines, it's actually a big win for criminal justice reform and another big win for criminal justice reform is Virginia lawmakers voting to abolish the death penalty I mean this is a much bigger topic we can definitely have an expert on to talk about so everyone can kind of see where they land on the issue but overall for criminal justice reform it's definitely a win and then in Illinois there's a new law that makes the state the first to eliminate cash bail so huge win so
0: Sam, like
1: what is cash bail for those who don't
0: know? Yeah, so it's a good question. And I feel like it's one of those terms that gets thrown around a lot, but people don't really know what it means, which fair, right? So anyways, most jurisdictions in the country operate using the system. So cash bail is a system. So most jurisdictions in the country operate using this system, in which the court determines an amount of money that a person has to pay in order to secure their release from detention, so jail, right? The cash amount served as collateral to ensure that the defendant appears in court for their trial. So what that means, if you do not have the means to pay for that bail, right, to get out of jail, quote-unquote, free, right, if we're doing monopoly terms, that means you are stuck in jail until your trial, right? Yeah, it basically criminalizes poverty. And
1: it basically just continues to, like, perpetrate different inequalities in the criminal justice system so that people who experience poverty and disproportionately communities of color, you know, feel that and often don't ever get released on bail. And then you see, you know, some of these rich people get immediately, they released on bail and go back to their mansions and like hang out with their lawyers and get like a really good case in order. To kind of, to,
0: I think really to move on with their lives and continue moving through their day to day until proven guilty or innocent right because keep in mind is when you are arrested you are not convicted right right you have not been proven guilty at that point so you are essentially being punished without the proof at that point
1: yeah totally i mean this says even spending a few days in jail can result in people losing their jobs their housing custody of their children And again, this is all before you're even proven guilty. So it's just an unfair system in place that, you know, criminalizes those experiencing poverty, which is a major issue. So huge positive news out of Illinois. We love to see it. And hopefully we see some states follow suit.
0: Seriously, go figure, Illinois.
1: Okay, Illinois, get it.
0: Okay, Midwest.
1: Well, no, we, okay, we do need to talk about we went on that rant. We didn't even talk about Texas, Ted Cruz. Oh. So updates on what has been happening in Texas over the past week since we kind of just started to talk about it and scratch surface on the issue. Last episode. So, well, first let's start with the the Ted Cruz of it all. Basically, we see Ted Cruz in an airport boarding a plane heading to Cancun with his family Sounds wholesome. Sounds nice. Sounds like something we all want right now, right? But he's basically fleeing his state, fleeing the country, while the state he is responsible for is suffering massive blackouts. They don't have water to drink. They are freezing to death in some situations. Like, this is a major disaster happening in Texas. And right away, Ted Cruz flees.
0: And it's important to note that where he flees, i.e. Mexico, is a country in which he wants to build the border wall with, right? It's basically a big version of, it's funny how, dot, 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 because literally it's the script reverse. Like he is looking for refuge in a place that he thinks has people that don't deserve refuge. Yeah.
1: Well, basically immediately, he It went viral that he was like going on vacation during this disaster. Basically, his entire press and PR team was like, no, you need to get your ass back on a plane and fly back immediately because this is not a good look. And it, it was not a good look by any means. So he comes back immediately, basically says like, oh, my kids are off of school this week and just really wanted to get out of town. <laughs> it's like, no shit. Thank you
0: yeah, welcome to the club. Although I will say this and this is like wild to me, one of the pieces of proof of him basically being caught in this lie about how the vacation was orchestrated. So, instead of it being like, "Oh, I'm dropping off my like kids with my wife," which is like weird. They don't need a chaperone to freaking go on vacation. Like that's weird enough, right? Like what the what the bloody? But He gets caught about the flights and everything because his wife's group chat gets a little screenshot moment. Exposed. And one of Heidi's like BFFAs, which clearly is a total traitor to her, absolutely slams them by releasing these text media, which I gotta say, like ooh, those hoes ain't loyal.
1: <laughs> they are not loyal, but they are loyal to the American people. Okay? They are true patriots. Yeah, Ted Cruz has just been now facing this backlash and basically trying to manage the backlash. I don't know what he's done now that he's back really to help, you know, his constituents in Texas. But
0: He handed out a few water
1: bottles. He handed out a few water bottles, but his arch political nemesis, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, literally came through in Ted Cruz's absence and has now raised over $5 million to help Texans hit hard by the winter storm. And basically, yeah, Ted Cruz fleeing the country, AOC from New York, has nothing to do with Texas. It's not even a senator. She's a congresswoman. So she's just responsible for one district in New York. Comes through and does more for Texas than probably Ted Cruz ever has.
0: (laughs) I will say, and this is also a positive, but a comment nonetheless, is the strategy and her doing that is beyond brilliant. If that, besides that she already has a national platform, but obviously that elevates her more, but it also elevates her cause and perspective because what is Texas typically a red state? Is it turning purple? Maybe. Could it turn blue at a certain point? Hopefully, right? I mean, she's killing them with kindness.
1: Dare I say presidential?
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, here, here's the math. And this could be slightly off because I do not know her exact birthday, right? To run for president of the United States, you have to be 35. How old is AOC right now? 31. So what's in four years from now? She'll be 35. Oh my
1: god. TikTok had like all these videos of her in Texas helping people like on the ground to get water. True humanitarian moment. And I was just like, president? AOC is that you because that's the kind of energy it felt like and I feel like that's the kind of president she would be and showing that you know these Republican senators often aren't doing the things you need like for the average people they're not gonna help you in your times of need like the priorities aren't there but AOC who has nothing to do with Texas literally stopped everything she was doing to go help. I'm giddy I have the chills.
0: You catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. And Ted Cruz on the other end is the absolute vinegar.
1: Yeah, totally. We'll also add some resources in in the episode description for ways you can get involved and help out in Texas.
0: And we do have a post on Girl in the Gov with some resources there as well. So if you want to just easily send some uh, resources over to your friends to donate or get involved... Well, let's introduce our guest.
1: Yes, our guest. We have a great guest on today. You might recognize him from our Instagram Live if you fast forward those first seven minutes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Never forget. Genuinely never forget.
1: No, never forget our first ever Instagram Live with Delano, who is now our guest on the show today because... We thought it was so important to just continue to highlight the finance world and the stock market and how that all intersects with politics. And he's gonna help us do that.
0: Yeah. Besides being like a great Instagram live guest, snaps to Maddie and Delano for handling that like absolute champs and becoming experts, but he is so well-equipped on all things finance. He is the founder of New Street Advisors, a regular contributor on CNBC and Fox Business, and he also has his own podcast on the topic of all things money and money management called Your Money, Your Life. So of course, go check those things out. He is active on the gram as well, but without further ado, here's Solano. Quick commercial break. <sighs> are your headphones uncomfortable, dull sounding, and die quickly? Because you need to check out Soul. Their headphones and earphones are built with the latest technology for power, clarity, and comfort. Soul provides a soundtrack to your life to help you keep going. From commuting to hitting the gym, Soul vibes with your daily grind by ensuring you get the highest quality, with the best value. With Soul headphones like the S-Fit, the set of the secure and comfortable wing-shaped locks ensure to stay in your ears, and you can get 33 hours. Yes, 33 hours of charge. So ditch your current headphones and switch to Soul's colorful, babe enough pink and comfortable headphones. Use discount girl and the gov to get 10% off your purchase at soulnation.com. That code again is girl and the gov in all caps. Happy shopping.
1: Can you kind of tell us a little bit about you? Tell us about how you landed in finance and started started the new street advisors group.
2: Yes. Yes. Thank you very much, Maddie and Samantha for having me first and foremost. Yeah. I guess my background in getting into finance was born out of just like a curiosity. So I was an athlete all my life. And then I had another way to like compete. I'm very competitive. And so there was another way to like push yourself to try to like, quote unquote, like be the best at what you're doing. Right. So I was looking about investing. And so I, I've kind of, we're playing this game in undergrad, where I was like, okay, it's a stock market paper trading game. So, if you don't know what paper trading is, means, just fake fake money. Paper trading is fake money where the, the teacher, the professor was like, hey, you guys will all get a hundred thousand dollars of fake money at the end of the semester. Whoever it won, it, like, get some sort of prize. And so, we would all just like, we just had the ability to invest in what we wanted to and do different things. And I was so intrigued by it that. It just really got my wheels turning about finance and investing. I was like, man, you could just really like use your research, use your own thought process, use your own, your your own analytics to figure out what made sense for you. And so I started investing. I got third place in that, in that that game, which was, you know, kicked off my own, like just curiosity. I started reading a bunch of stuff, started doing a lot of documentary, watching a lot of documentaries, watching CMC, just just doing so much stuff to really indulge myself into the, to the, to the whole finance concept. So that was where for me, it kind of kicked off uh, as far as getting really into depth with finance and then New Street Advisors Group after business school, I was working in corporate investment banking. It wasn't really my my jam. I wanted to do one do something I was way more passionate about. I wasn't that passionate about what I was doing. I knew I loved like personal financial planning and portfolio management for families. So I left and was able to start New Street, which I know you guys might ask me, but it's giving people who are typically barred out of this industry, whether it's women, minorities, maybe it's the ability to have a sound financial planner and advisor. And that's what I've been doing because there's no minimums to work with me. I'm really able to work with a lot of great people, you know, over 250 people across the country at this point. And again, we're only a year and four months old. So it's been really great. I love it. And, and that's you know what I've been up to.
0: That's amazing. Especially it's funny because it's like just being a New Yorker, I you know so many iBankers. And I feel like burnout is like the name of the game. So the fact that you're able to sort of transition and keep that passion alive and make it something really fruitful and interesting and also just helpful to communities that need so much more assistance on this front. I know I've seen quite a few different financial things sort of evolve only like within the last year. Elvest being one of them, that's who I um, have connected with in terms of, you know, sort of the women focused investing. But I, you know, it's exciting to see more of that emerge. So I was like super excited when I I came across you on the good old gram and to learn more about New Street Advisory Group and everything like that. I mean, just such a such a cool thing. In terms of what you guys do, can you sort of just give us like the run of the run of the land
2: yeah. there? Yeah. Back to your point on investment banking. It's, it's burnout and beat down. They'll beat you down in there. <laughs> burnout and beat down. You'll you'll baggy eyes at the work a lot. I know some, some colleagues are still there, but yeah, this is great because it's just fulfilling my passion and really working with a lot of great people. But as you mentioned, what do we exactly do is the big thing. And one, financial planning. So a lot of people don't really, there's so much information online, as you mentioned, Samantha, there's so much things out there. What, what are you doing, Elvis, and having a robo-advisor, or are you working with someone, do you have a budget? There's so much stuff you can Google, but is it actually tailored to you, right? Because if you read a, you can read a blog, or you can read something, but do they know, does this blog actually know your context, know what you have as far as due loans, you know, debt, what you're trying to figure out, what your, what your goals are? No, it doesn't. So that's why you have to take things with, when you work with a dedicated planner, which is what I do for my clients, is you're able to, one, my first meeting, I want to sit down and just introduce myself. I also want to learn more about them what are their goals what are they trying to achieve career wise and financial cuz it ties together and then we're also going to learn you know what steps we need to take to get there a lot of it is aggressive saving you don't need to read a million dave ramsey's books to know that like you have to like save aggressively and do the right things with your money to actually Reach your goals, but it's harder. Easier said than done, because one, you know, it's it's hard to like increase your income. Everybody's like, yeah, make more money. I'd say that a lot. I'm like, okay, you know, if you increase your income, it solves a lot of problems. But it's super hard for people to actually do that. But how do you do these things? And then when you have increased income, how are you actually spending and how are you employing into assets that increase, you know, your well-being for yourself down the line, rather than you know, instant gratification? Which you you have to have a balance of both. You know, I used to be OCD and just always like say as they say, but no, you have to live life in the future because we don't know what's going to happen. But you also want to plan ahead. that's what I try to focus on uh, with clients as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like I see, especially in the city a lot, it's like people get that next pay raise and then they have to sort of meet that next lifestyle, right? Like what else is going around them, right? So it's like, okay, like maybe you're making 10K more, but like, are you actually then thinking about how to use that properly? Not necessarily. So I think- That's you obviously where you come in and provide such good advice and insight and everything like that. So it's really important resource and, you know, encourage all of our listeners to, you know, get in touch and to only explore this more. But of course, we also want to talk about another thing that you do another thing on the old resume, which is your podcast. Can you give us the 411 on that?
2: Yes, of course. Your money, your life podcast available everywhere. Just plug myself um, unashamed, but uh, no, I really just did it. Like it. I was actually funny because I was, I think I'm on the 54th episode. I just do it every week. I dropped it. I think I drop it on Thursday every week, uh, and I was really just like, because you know, we are content creators ourselves. Maddie, Samantha, Girl and Girl podcast. You guys do great stuff. We're content creators, and so how do people stay in touch? With you when they stay in this day and age, everyone is either you know or both. Everyone is a content. It, they, they take in content. everyone does now they take it from their places that they love. and when it comes to like advising and financial advising, people usually do have blogs or podcasts. And I'm like, I, I don't really like blog. I'm not a big like, writer and share my feelings in my journal. I don't have a journal, you guys. So I really wanted to like, what I love speaking. I was like, all right, if I love speaking. And I've been listening to podcasts for a long time. I was like, man, why not put one up? And then I found you know, a way to do it where people can like get in touch with you. So people will listen to my podcast sometimes before they even have a conversation with me, but I just speak my mind on it. It's honestly, first five, 10 minutes, I go through financial concepts, financial things of the week. So I'll talk about the big, Events in business and finance. So sometimes, like like you talked about the Robinhood thing or what's going on in companies buying other companies or you saw Bumble did an IPO, just stuff that's going on that people might be curious about. So I get a rundown, then I do talk a financial concept. So whether it's like budgeting, saving, and like something investing, I do questions of the week, pull some questions that I've either heard a lot from from clients or prospective clients or just whatever. And then lastly, I maybe give a little bit of an update on myself, which I don't know if people stay around to hear that last bit about myself, what I'm up to. But that's how I do it. I just try to get it out. I been doing interviews too. I've, I've been doing as much recently, but I want to get more into doing interviews and talking to cool people, but it's been cool. I like just like letting people have free content because that's really really what it's about at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, I need to start listening because as you know, your girl is not very versed on the stock market. And <laughs> <laughs> for those who don't know, he would know this because we actually did an Instagram live together. So if you guys didn't see it, go check it out if you were confused about the Robin Hood drama, the, all that. We cover it very in-depthly with you on our Instagram. So thank you again for doing that. But like back to the podcast, I mean, what really inspired you to start it?
2: Yeah, I like it. I've loved podcasts. I love listening to them. I listen to like, you know, other entertainment ones, sports one and Joe Budden podcasts it's for entertainment. It's not even for I mean, when I first started listening to podcasts, it was all about like, getting new knowledge, but that's more for me through reading and through my own stuff. But now it's just for entertainment. I loved it. Uh, I've gotten a couple of live shows and I was like, you know what? People really tie into it. As You guys know people really tie into podcasts because it's a different level of intimacy with the people that listen you're really tied in and they really get to hear you and i mean who if someone takes time which i really appreciate if someone takes 20 30 minutes out of their week to really listen to you just speak that's like pretty powerful totally. in the sense that like that's a really good connection and i think there it's pretty unmatched you're seeing different audio platforms popping up you're seeing companies spending billions of dollars on this uh you know podcast because they know it's a medium and it's on the go i don't want people sit there and they have to tune into me at a certain time like radio old days no you can tune into me in your shower put it on in your shower if you like you know all that stuff whatever whatever you want to listen that's what you should be able to listen so that's what i i really like about doing podcasting
1: yeah totally same i mean so you also you have your voices on multiple platforms because you are a regular contributor at cnbc fox business you also are on the clubhouse app which is kind of new and upcoming right so what are some of the topics that you speak about on there and like what kind of, I guess, expertise do you show up with on those platforms?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's funny. CNBC has been great. So contributing there and, and Fox, but it's it's really just Fox business. It's really just um, like you mentioned for CNBC. It's for them that they're all about investing in stocks and people, you know, are super even now it's heightened than it is before, but in general, just regular times, people are just so intrigued by investing in stock. Everyone's trying to like do this or that and get an edge that was brought to me where I'm able to help, you know, just talk about different things I've seen in the market, talk about my overall views about the market and different stocks. So that's, that's kind of what I talk more about that. Sometimes it's also like in the summer prior to when they first kind of called me, we had like more financial advisors. So talking a little bit planning, but it's mainly people want to understand different investing things and strategies and topics when it comes to that plan. Platform similar to Fox Business. It's just I'm just talking stocks. I'm talking money and I'm talking different things for that. For, for Clubhouse, which is new, I've done a couple Clubhouse rooms, but it's great. It's a great platform to another medium, like you said, for people doing the same thing there. I just talk more financial topics, different things. It's more laid back. I just want to talk in a more of a casual conversation, like um, rooms where people can just hear and ask questions. People are able to ask questions on this platform rather than the other ones where it's more information. And this one, you can ask questions and get get some feedback. It's
1: more interactive
2: exactly 100
1: yeah i actually have some questions too about new street advisors group and kind of like diving in there a little bit i kind of just want to learn more about i don't know the dynamics when it comes to working with the stock market and like kind of the inspiration behind why you started it and if they're like are any discrepancies there with how the stock market functions and like who it works for and what you're trying to do to combat that for these groups that you're working with I kind of want to learn like more about you know why they need that attention and like why the stock market hasn't been working for them
2: Yeah no Maddie you're right on point no need to sugarcoat it and put it nicely you're right on point I work for the little little guys some some you know some of my clients are millionaires some most are not and like you mentioned you know working for the people that I've typically not always got one received one expert advice, and I feel like I'm an ex- I know I'm an expert. I feel like I'm one of the best at doing this. But, you know, people that, you know, if you walk into another place, as you mentioned, what are the barriers for people that are younger, minorities, or whatever? There's, you have this asset barrier. So if you walk into these other places that claim to be, you know, good, they'll say, okay, you just came because you're younger. Do you, do you have a million dollars? If not, they'll shut the door in your face. Rather, with New Street, I saw that there was an opportunity. You know, I actually was just posted something on my story re- recently. there's only twenty-nine percent of people in America that actually work with a financial advisor. Why? Because there's an asset minimum for a lot of places, and so when you remove that asset minimum barrier, you're able to help with a lot of people. So I have clients that have you know millions, but have less, and they're also just trying to build up their accumulator, wealth accumulator is what we call it, and that's okay. You know, or younger, just getting started, that's okay. And so that's one of the things on the barrier entry. And then as you mentioned. Just in general, finance an interesting place because it's so old and archaic when some of the, you know, like you said, rules, regulations, some of the ways of going about things are old and archaic and tailored to certain people. And there's got to be disruption. There is disruption happening when you're seeing fintech, you're seeing cryptocurrency, you're seeing different things that are going to deregulate the old system and change the way things have been done to make it more equal. And, and that's really gonna be quite interesting to watch and see what happens. But you're definitely seeing that across the board. And I think it's exciting. It's gonna change the landscape for the next 10, 15, 20 years and beyond. So that's definitely some things to watch out when it comes to finance. But general, New Street's here to serve anyone that wants a plan, wants to help, wants someone that's dedicated to, to work with them. That's why I started. I was like, there's an avenue here to work with a lot of great people. Yeah,
0: I mean, I think the barriers to entry in terms of the minimums is really interesting because I know it's like not just across even like the stock market investing. Like it's also with, for example, if you have a business and you want to open a business bank account, like most banks require a minimum. So I know there's been sort of a resurg- not even a resurgence, but like an entry point for all these online banks that then don't have to pay for brick and mortar and therefore are able to remove sort of that barrier or entry level fee that you're required. And so I'm just like wondering, like, does sort of this new way of thinking do you think it applies to like multiple mediums within the finance world
2: yes 100 percent. so you mentioned like you know banking and there's so many fintech companies that are trying to gear towards a lot of people that are unbanked like you know that is a big big thing and that's what things of like cryptocurrency is trying to help people when it comes to countries in different areas where you know inflation has a play and all that stuff it's such a such a great tool and then also as you mentioned Minimum. So if you think about like venture capital and and capital venture VC firms, startup companies, there's so much to play in there that hasn't scratched the surface yet as well. When it comes to funding, you know, my company never, I didn't take a dive from it. I didn't need uh, funding or any of that stuff from people, but there's are other companies and startups out there that needed to have like funding it's hard for like minorities or women to get funding so there's there's a lot of barriers like you said across different areas and different things that are just people are opened up to with the recent events a lot of people like open their eyes so right now everyone's like okay we how do we open our eyes so you saw apple put some money into some different firms and, and different things and seeing people do some things which i think will be good but in general Especially when talking about old finance like banking, those industries, I don't see those things like changing very much. I'm very pessimistic on those things, but you know that's why I left and started my own thing. But I think, you know, there's there's a lot to be done. There's movement towards the right direction. Is it, you know, you know, I don't. I just be pessimistic. Is it like? Is, is these things real, tangible things? I mean, we'll see. Like, that's, that's a big thing. We'll see. Talking about tech and not to veer off topic. They always put out every year a report on, like, you know, diverse inclusion, how much they've hired, all different things they've hired. And, like, it doesn't change much year to year, even though every year they have a new initiative, how they're going to increase it. But, you know, again, that's me. I, I, I think the those things and these people are making efforts in the right direction. But you know, we'll see if those things are actually tangible uh, down the line.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think sometimes it's just like we can speak to sort of in the political world of like being the disruptor and this sort of idea of you kind of have to start fresh to be able to actually make change. Sometimes making change within the, you know, the old school organization itself doesn't necessarily work or it doesn't work to the speed that you would like it to or whatnot. So I'm curious to sort of see where everything lands, but before we hop into our I Have a Stupid Question segment, Maddie, do you have any other questions?
1: Like so many, but I don't know where to start. I mean, before we dive in and talk about the SEC and all of that, can you kind of also just give maybe a background or on how our government interacts with the stock market and with the, like, the market in general and how... It's important to be versed on the political side of this topic as yeah, well
2: yeah a great question i think the government is here to regulate and make sure that it's fair for everyone so across the board so there's so much regulations fine print and different things and yes it mostly gears towards the institutions like people always talk about like ipos and I, i'm assuming you guys know what initial public offerings are and ipos right like if you take the bumble one for example when they flipped I don't know what's actually trading next. Actually, I actually don't have any looked, but when they flipped it to the market and it became a public company, it wasn't able, you weren't able to buy it at that initial buy-in price, right? The institutions were able to, they actually bought it from the banks. So the banks had the shares. The banks sold it to the bit large institutions when they went out and did a road show. The wonderful woman, actually congrats to her. I think she's 31 years old, first like woman, like youngest woman billionaire or whatnot, or one of them. So my point being in this is, you know, People need to understand the intricacies of it. It's If you're not really in finance, you're not going to understand the intricacies of it. Just what you need to know that the government is here to make it equitable and fair for everyone to invest. And obviously, there's some things that you know still need to be worked around that. But that's what they're, they're supposed to be able to do is make it fair, catch people that aren't doing the right things. That's a big thing. Obviously, you hear about all those different schemes. Big thing there, catch people that because so many people have no clue about a lot of things when it comes to finance, which is understandable because that's not everyone's area of expertise. But government's supposed to be able to step in and catch people that are doing wrong things, make sure things are fair. That's the biggest thing, I think, especially when you said the stock market, that's what they're supposed to be employing is making sure that things are fair and, and that everything is, you know, it's a fair market, which is how the basis of fair trade and how it's supposed to, you know, function.
1: What's an example of it being an unfair market? When does the government step in?
2: Great question. I think... Generally, like you mentioned, you know, I guess, for example, we'll take an example of something that is a violation, like insider trading. So like if a company is gonna buy, two public companies or you know, in talks to buy a comp- public company, that's secret. That's like, you know, I work in investment banking. If I know that MA and a emergency, I, that's secret. You can't tell anyone, you can't trade on, you can't act on it because once that becomes, if someone were to know that beforehand, that anyone else, they have information that they can trade on because once the merger accident, the merger happens, the shares of the, the stocks, the two companies involved will trade you know pretty heavily based on that news. so that's an example where the government would step in if like they saw that someone got, leaked that information or got that information out or make a, made a trade based off of non-public information, uh, they would step in and take action and punish the people rightfully so during that. so that's that's a you know a pretty sound example of how that lo- how that's looked at mm.
1: okay. Well, let's get into, I have a stupid question because Lord knows I do, so. <laughs> well, to start, what is the SEC, especially, you know, talking now about how the government gets involved, like what is their role in in all of this?
2: Yes. Yeah, so the, the SEC is the Securities and Exchange Commission. It's an independent federal government uh, regulatory agency that's for protecting investors and maintaining a fair and orderly function of the securities market. It was um, actually created by Congress in 1934, and uh, just, the, just like the definition says, it's actually just try to create a fair market for people. It's protecting investors against fraudulent and manipulative practices. So generally, if you want to offer securities to the public, meaning like if you want people to invest in something that you have, uh, especially if you're you know a company, larger company, you have to be cleared through the SEC. You have to go through these different you know steps from them to be able to, to them, for them to say, okay, you're sound, to be able to offer the public a security that they can buy and invest in with you. So that's this function. They have to go through a lot of different things. If you're someone that works in finance, you have to be cleared through, like, and I think we're going to talk about it later, like FINRA and different re- agencies to be able to work within finance and go through these rules and regulations and understand what you're doing. So the SEC is here to protect investors and make sure they're not being defrauded uh, by, you know, companies that are selling bad investments and they have to go through these hoops uh, before they're able to actually go ahead and, And offer securities.
0: Makes sense. Okay, so that's like sort of like the background on what the SEC is, what it does. But it has five divisions apparently, which was like news to me. I was like, oh, I thought there were four, but either way, there are five.
1: I had no idea how many divisions there were, so you're good.
0: Okay, good. See? Fair enough. (laughs) I'll take it. But. Within that, there are even more layers to it. Like I feel like everything in finance is an onion and it's like peeling back the layers. And of course it only gets more confusing, I suppose. But there's, like you mentioned, FINRA and there's also MSRB. So those are two of the entities that are overseen within that. Can you explain to someone who has no idea what on earth either of these two things are? Maddie included. (laughs) Self finger point. I literally, Um, for
1: those who can't see me, just pointed right at my face. Cause yep, me.
0: She's got it. There's no shame in the game. That's why we're here. You know? But can you like give us sort of the forward model on what these terms mean, why we should know them? Yeah, of
2: course. No, it, it, please don't be ashamed. This is actually like most people in finance will know about FINRA, but the other term that you mentioned, most people wouldn't know even like I had to like get a refresher because this is stuff that's deeper, deeper into finance when it comes to comes to it. But like you said, FINRA, the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority is it's just a regulatory body that, Governs broker, registered brokers and broker-dealer firms. So when you, like we mentioned, we're talking about investment banking earlier. An investment bank is a broker-dealer and they employ people like myself that was an associate or other people that you may know that are associates or analysts as registered uh, brokers who essentially, when we talked about the SEC, like allowing companies to give securities or, or offer securities, they don't just like offer it through their own company. They go through a bank, and the bank is the broker-dealer that actually brokers the deal and, and offers it to the public. So that's what you know happens there. And so FINRA is there to regulate the broker-dealers because obviously you have SEC regulated all the, all the stuff, but now you need someone that's monitoring the broker-dealers and making sure they're not doing things that would be against or shady to the public or anything within the guidelines of making it a fair and equitable markets for everyone. So FINRA regulates the broker dealers. So if you're an investment banking associate, you have to actually take FINRA regulatory exams. I forgot the ones, the numbers, it was like series six and 73, whatever the ones I had to take before. And you just have to read and understand all these rules and regulations about IPOs, different things that you're doing, all of these different rules and regulations. So it regulates the broker dealers and that's what FINRA is doing. And I'm not as familiar with the municipal securities rulemaking board, but similar pro- similar thing. It's another division, as you mentioned, but this time it's they're overseeing the municipal markets. So that's obviously like state and governmental offering. So like if you're a state or like your city could actually offer securities as well. Like your city can offer a bond to help, you know, build a road or whatever. And that also has to be regulated. So these all these regulatory boards that are overlooking these things and they have these rules, but I'm assuming many of them are old, but I think, you know, it could be obviously revamped or redone based on, you know, new things coming out, but, you know, high level overview, those are the two, you know, that we highlighted those regulatory agencies and those are, you know, kind of their, the way they play into the, into these uh, markets. Yeah.
0: And that actually just, flagged with myself, like another qualifiably stupid question that I feel like people listening might not know. What is the difference between a stock and a bond? Could you help us explain that a little bit?
2: Of course. Yeah. So a stock is a public is essentially owning a share of earnings in a company. So if you buy stock in a company, you're Pretty much buying a share of earnings of the company, so you're it's equity. You're buying equity in the company in the public markets. Mm-hmm. So as you said, like you buy it at a certain stock price, it can increase based on the future expected performance of the company. If investors on one side believe it's going to do better, they want to buy more, which you know will increase the stock price as people you know want to buy more of it. It increases the price. So that's definitely what that's a high level what a stock is, and then a bond on the other side. Is just lending, like it's lending money, so a company. Wants to borrow money, we'll say, Hey, we want to borrow money. You could buy this bond and we'll pay you interest semi annually, usually, for you borrowing us this money. So you don't get equity. You don't get equity in the company or any of that, anything of that nature. But we'll pay you interest to borrow this money for a certain period of time. And depending on the length, that determines the interest rate price. Also, depending on the creditworthiness of the borrower, it determines the interest rate that they pay to you for borrowing money.
1: Gotcha. Thank you. (laughs) Well, you know, we also have a new administration and like we always preach, government touches everything as we've seen with what you've just talked about, obviously. But President Biden is picking cabinet members and things like that. So he designated Allison Lee as the acting chair of the SEC. So what does that mean? What is her job?
2: Yeah, like you said, T appointed her and I believe she's also a Democrat. But just means it's just what we said, she is going to take She's the head role. She's the head role overseeing all of the SEC, which is amazing. And congrats to her and its distinguished career. I was reading a little bit more about her and what she's already accomplished. And all the rulemaking, all the things that go through, you know, the SEC, all those things, all those different divisions that we covered, she oversees all of it. So I'm assuming she's going to have like pretty much a very, very large Role in you know what goes on with the markets and you know regulations, she's going to have a huge huge role, not the largest role, especially being that she was disappointed. But in general, I think it's great. I think it's great to to see someone like, like you said, like a, a woman that has a distinguished career coming to the head of SEC Um, before I saw that she was, forgetting where she was, but she was also another commissioner type role prior to, but that's awesome. And that's kind of exactly what she'll be doing there.
0: Yeah. I feel like lots of exciting moves for women in finance in the last few weeks between her, we've got Janet Yellen, the Bumble IPO, I think is of course like a fan favorite because people not even in finance, you know, can really like sort of understand and appreciate the semantics there. So I really hope like, especially as someone who has a lot of Women, friends in finance, that it only continues to move ahead in a good direction with more women um, and minorities elevating within sort of this crazy and convoluted system.
2: Certainly, yeah, that's that's the goal. I mean, as you as you mentioned, is like people elevating, people feeling comfortable, people enjoying it because it's 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 definitely definitely could be lucrative and sound for people if they're able to navigate the correct way and that's just the thing is hopefully people are navigate the correct way get the support they need the mentorship they need all those things are super super important and especially when tax finance it's a, it's a network game a lot of the time and it's hard to have that if there's not a lot of similar people there but i think that's changing and it's getting better so hopefully it continues
1: yeah totally well, thank you for coming on. I mean, you have just been like teaching me everything from this to our Instagram live. I appreciate you. But this has been super helpful and I'm glad we got to cover this topic. We haven't covered it yet. So we always love, you know, going over these things that we haven't talked about and also just continuing to highlight the way government touches everything and how important it is to stay versed on everything. So we appreciate you highlighting all of that stuff. And I also love what you do with your company and everything. It's it's amazing. But... Before you go, we do want to like, get you to plug everything and anything from where to find the podcast, Instagram, all that stuff.
2: Yeah, of course, people can find me just at my Instagram handle Delanos. So that's D-E-L-A-N-O dot. My last name support SAP is in Peter ORU and yes I'm just always on there DM feel free to reach out if you have questions all my social media handles just my first and last name podcast is us on Apple Spotify it's your money your life Delano Sapporo. It's the blue background one there's another one but it's the black background I think but yeah mine's the blue one but yeah this is that's where it's at appreciate you both for having me on so this is a fun fun conversation
1: okay well let's get into the top stories of the week First, we have an update on the COVID-19 relief bill we've been talking about and updating as the days go on, but there is an update because the U.S. House Budget Panel approved the $1.9 trillion COVID-19 aid bill, so... Basically, the U.S. House of Representatives budget committee on Monday approved legislation with $1.9 trillion and new coronavirus relief advancing, you know, this top priority for President Joe Biden toward a full House vote on passage expected later this week. The measure passed the panel on a largely party line vote. So it was 19 to 16, and as, you know, this U.S. death toll has now surpassed, The grim 500,000 victims and millions more have been left jobless by this pandemic. This sweeping legislation is intended to really stimulate the U.S. economy and carry out Biden's proposals to provide additional money for COVID-19 vaccines and other medical equipment. So... Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said later that efforts in the House and Senate have kept the bill on track to be approved by both chambers and sent to Biden for his signature before the federal unemployment benefits expire on March 14th. So Democrats are actually using a procedural strategy called reconciliation. We kind of explained this in a few episodes back, but basically it's kind of a strategy used to advance the bill, which will allow them to pass it in the Senate without Republican support. So this timeline of getting it to Biden's desk by this deadline for the unemployment benefits expire, that timeline is likely to be accurate since they are using this kind of like streamlined strategy to basically just surpass the Republican pushback for it.
0: Yeah, I feel like we've been talking about this for Mm, Five million in ten years. Yeah. So like I'm, I'm amped for this to hopefully get somewhere. But something that has gotten somewhere, which was a nice little breaking news moment, was related to Trump and the U.S. Supreme Court. So they set the stage for the release of. Trump's tax returns. I mean, perfect timing since we're going into tax season, right? So Donald Trump suffered a major setback on Monday in his long quest to conceal details of his finances as the US Supreme Court paved the way for a New York City prosecutor to obtain the former president's tax returns and other records as part of an accelerating criminal investigation. And honestly, let me just make an edit here. I would just like to pull in Biden's language, the former guy, not the former president. Thank you for that slight edit. Anyways, the justices, without comment, rebuffed Trump's request to put on hold an October 7th lower court ruling directing the Republican businessman-turned-politician I don't even... No. The Republican conman-turned-politician's longtime account firm Mazars USA to comply with a subpoena to turn over the materials to a grand jury convened by Manhattan District Attorney Cyrus Vance. And you guessed it. He's a Democrat. Unlike all other recent U.S. presidents, Trump refused to make his tax returns public. The data could provide details on his wealth and the activities of his family real estate company, the Trump Organization. Mance's investigation initially focused on hush money paid by Trump's former lawyer and quote quote fixer Michael Cohen before the 2016 election to adult film actress, the one, the only Stormy Daniels and former Playboy
1: the original Stormy.
0: <laughs> the absolute original Stormy. Oh, the my god. OG Do you think Kylie, like, thought that through?
1: Wait, I literally remember all of this coming out, like, when Stormy was born. And so, like, Stormy Daniels was in the news, like, around the same time Stormy was born. And it was just, like, Kylie, I don't know if this was the move, like, to name her that.
0: I mean, yeah, it's interesting. But is it as interesting as the two women – who said that they had sexual encounters with Trump, which he denied. Interesting, interesting, right? So in a recent court filing, Vance suggested the probe is now broader and could focus on potential bank tax and insurance fraud, as well as the falsification of business records. So there is a lot more to this story. And as well, Trump may soon have to answer for rape allegations under oath. Jean Carroll accused former President Donald Trump of raping her decades ago. So obviously she is looking for justice. Her lawyers are seeking to depose Trump in a defamation lawsuit that Carroll filed against the former president in November 2019 after he denied her accusation that he raped her at a Manhattan department store in the mid-90s. Trump said he never knew Carroll and accused her of lying to sell her new book, adding she's not my type. She plans to be there if Trump is deposed. Carol, who's now 77, a former Elle magazine columnist, seeks unspecified damages in her lawsuit and a retraction of Trump's statements. It is one of two defamation cases involving sexual misconduct allegations against Trump that could move forward faster now that he has left the presidency. While in office, Trump's lawyers delayed the case in part of arguing the pressing duties of his office made responding to civil lawsuits impossible. Trump faces a similar defamation lawsuit from summer zervos a former contestant on his reality television show the apprentice 2016 zervos accused trump of sexual misconduct saying that he kissed her against her will at a 2007 meeting in new york later groped her at a california hotel as the two met to discuss job opportunities zervos and carol are among more than two dozen women who have publicly accused trump of sexual misconduct that they say occurred in the years before he became president Trump has denied the allegations and called them politically motivated. Shocking.
1: Yeah, well, again, like he has more than two dozen women accusing him of sexual misconduct and we will leave women here. So, and it's just like two over two dozen. It's, it's scary to think that that person was, you know, sitting in the Oval Office. But yeah, I mean, also the story for Jean Carroll, she was in Bergdorf's in New York and saw Trump and apparently he was like shopping for some other woman and like asked her to help him and they like went like the lingerie section and he ended up like pushing her into a dressing room and like pushing her up against the wall and sexually assaulting her and she says that she still has the dress she was wearing hanging in her closet, and. She wants to do a full DNA test and is like looking to get a DNA sample from him so that that can be used. But it's awful. I mean, just more reasons to hate him. But yeah.
0: Yeah, as if there were like enough already, you know?
1: I mean, there's too many. Like, I just, I can't, I can't, I can't. But but moving on to just some like COVID updates. So as. Many may know, or maybe you don't. We have officially surpassed 500,000 COVID deaths. So on Monday, the numbers were that we had recorded more than 28 million COVID cases in 500,000 um, and 54. That was Monday. It's definitely exceeded that now, but fatalities. And so the other night, President Joe Biden led Americans in observing a moment of silence to commemorate this grim milestone and. Basically, just continuing to urge Americans to set aside partisan differences and fight the pandemic together. He said, Today we mark a truly grim and heartbreaking milestone 500,071 dead. That's more Americans who have died in one year in this pandemic than World War One, World War II, and the Vietnam War combined. So devastating. Um, He said, it's not Democrats and Republicans who are dying from the virus. It's our fellow Americans, and we have to fight together as one people, as the United States of America. So yeah, and about 19% of the total global coronavirus deaths have occurred in the United States, which is another grim, 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 grim number. And so an outsized figure given that the nation accounts for just 4% of the world's population too. So yeah. And... Fauci has also commented, come this milestone saying that basically like political divisiveness contributed significantly to this kind of insane death toll that we have experienced. So it's just really frustrating, you know, but we've, we've been living it, we know, but kind of on the other end is Fauci is saying as well that the U.S. CDC is relaxing some COVID-19 guidelines soon. So maybe some stuff to look forward to. I mean, overall, numbers are declining and things are looking better on the COVID front, especially with vaccines coming out. So there's still hope, but it's important, you know, to remember and realize the amount of lives lost. Fauci says, I believe you're going to be hearing more of the recommendations of how you can relax the stringency of some of the things, particularly when you're dealing with something like your own personal family, when people have been vaccinated. So... Some of those restrictions are expected to be lifted soon so that we can interact with each other again, especially those who have been vaccinated. So good news on the horizon. Woo! But that's it for this week. And I think the only housekeeping thing is just a rhino rally reminder.
0: Yeah which, guys, if you haven't already, sign up for Rhino Rally. So it is a progressive postcard club, just a little refresher. They provide you everything you need to activate your activism from the comfort of your own couch through good old snail mail. So this month's theme was dismantling white supremacy. There will be a new theme each month, and they will give you everything. So the postcards, which are so freaking cute, by the way, Postage, the scripts, who you're going to be sending this messaging to and everything. So it could not be easier or more fun. As
1: always, we will put all the information in the episode description. So go check them out. Easy pandemic activism from home. So we love it. But thanks for tuning in everyone. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review. If you've already given us a review, by the way, like you can do more, like if you want,
0: Why not? Why not? Right? Might as
1: well. Double trouble. I'm trying to think of something creative. Like, oh my God, how about this? If you leave a review with the secret word in it, I will buy you coffee for a week. (laughs) Business days only.
0: (laughs) Okay, so secret word is going to be hot dog.
1: Hot dog. Write a review about how much you love us and maybe mention... Hot dogs, and if you honestly, if you say, do you eat them with sauce? Then I will also throw in like a croissant or like something, something in there for for your coffee order. So, you guys, that's a good deal, okay? But on the front of all of that housekeeping stuff, also don't forget to download episodes. That helps numbers. So do that for us please. We appreciate you.
0: We appreciate you.
1: We really do. We really, really do. But that is it for this week. And we'll be talking to you guys next Wednesday. (laughs)
0: Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description.
1: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator.